that every family has conflict. It just depends on how a family deals with conflict. And so I, I had a dad who was pretty, uh, pretty dominant, and I had a mom who was, was pretty um, passive, I guess. And so we, you know, we'd have a, a disagreement, because really all conflict is, 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 is there's a, you know, if you look at the top of the first page I gave you, it's just confusion, tension. That's all it is, really. Couldn't, it's either bad or good. It's just natural that it happens. And so we'd, we'd have a tension in our house of some sort. Well, my dad would blow up, uh, and then my mom would kind of cower in the shadows. I'd be kind of caught in the, the middle because my personality is a peacemaker, and so I wanted to fix everything, right? And I, I just I learned that if I had an issue in my house that I didn't bring it up. I just dealt with it. And, and I, I realized that over time I'd, I'd create these dungeons in my mind of not dealing with the issue but just kind of packing it in, and, uh, and then I'd you'd be frustrated with my dad. I wouldn't ever talk to him about anything, but I'd sure not like him, you know, or... or, or or I'd kind of be frustrated with my mom that she'd never bring, why don't you ever talk to him about this? Why don't you ever bring anything up? Well, she was the same as me. She learned how to, to cope and to deal, uh, but never really handled conflict in a, in a healthy way, but it just got handled in some way that didn't lead towards understanding, didn't lead towards further love, which conflict can. It led towards distance. It led towards kind of, over time, frustration, separation, you know, all those things that... that can be the other tendencies of conflict. And so all that to say, I walked into my marriage, into my roommate situations, into whatever relationship I was in with the baggage of that, my own personality, my background, which all of you in whatever relationships you have, you kind of carry into those relationships however you've learned to deal with conflict. And some of that's biblical. Some of that's not. It's just the way you were brought up. Some of that's personality, um, which is fine. And so I guess my, my goal in this session is that, that we can look at some of the tendencies that we have honestly. We can evaluate our own lives and go, where am I at? How do I kind of deal with conflict in most settings? Because you've got years and years and years and a ton of relationships to pull on and go, how did I deal with those situations? Because uh, probably most of your relationships have had some sort of conflict in them at some point, some tension, something you need to talk to somebody about. It either went well or it didn't. And you kind of file those away on maybe I'll do that again, maybe I won't do that again. And that's kind of probably the filter you've, you've made on how to deal with conflict. And so... Um, so, so as I was working at Fresno Pacific, uh, and I started to see these conflict situations, and we, we kind of dealt with conflict in a different way than I was used to at Fresno Pacific. We kind of got through this idea of restorative justice, that God sees conflict different than maybe the world does. You know, we talked about worldviews earlier today. That's a perfect segue. The world views conflict in one way, and usually deals with it in one way. God asks us to biblically deal, deal with it in a different way, and I just hadn't really ever thought through that. And so I started to be really curious about it. Uh, and enough to, uh, I told myself I'd never go back to school after I graduated from college until I found something I really, really wanted to study. And I was curious enough about God's view of conflict that I, that I jumped back in and did a master's degree. And so I've kind of thrown up a packet at you for a master's degree. You know, this is kind of like the Cliff Notes version. Uh, I have a lot of this to, to thank to Ron Clausen, who's kind of, he's pretty much at the bottom of every page as a guy that I really respect in this area. And so you're getting, you're getting a lot of his stuff, and you're going to get my version of his stuff. And so, but he's really the guy that taught me a lot on this subject. So all that to say, that's kind of the intro, uh, and, and I'm just passionate about it now. Every, every pre-marriage that I do, uh, premarital counseling, man, we go through this stuff because you've got to communicate in marriage. Every, every time I talk to a, you know, a, a guy who's living with roommates and go, man, I just, I'm frustrated with all right, let's talk about conflict. Let's talk about how you are in that situation. Let's talk about strategies, all that kind of stuff, because the way we respond to conflict, it, really, I just came from a session on evangelism. How we conflict is such a, a, a picture of Jesus or it's such a not a picture of Jesus at times. And so it can be a, a, a way that, to show grace to people versus showing something else. 
So let's look at this first page. And this is just be more uh, of just an aha. You know, the first couple pages are just to kind of paint a picture of where we're at with conflict. And you, you'll, you might be able to see some stuff that's familiar. Every conflict kind of starts here, if you look on the top, stage one, with just confusion, tension. Uh, it's, a lot of times it's associated with some sort of a change, not bad or good, just change. Um, they maybe seem insignificant, you know, kind of, uh, you know, and the best time to deal with it, obviously, is right there, you know, just to deal with it. Well, but often we don't. And so it kind of rolls into stage two. This change and this conflict happened or this thing, I didn't deal with it. And so I've got to figure out what's going on with it, right? And so we start asking questions. My personality as a harmonizer, my first thought is that it's, my, it's about me. It's, I did something wrong. And so I've caused this tension. And so I need to, it's, it's, it's my fault. Or if you're a different personality, it's, it's the other person's fault. You know, it it's, must be them. It can't be me. And so they're the problem. And you start kind of blaming and figuring out somebody's got to be right and wrong in this, so I've got to figure that out. If you don't deal with it there, uh, you start kind of assigning fault at that point. In stage three, you start collecting all these injustices that have nothing to do with kind of the original conflict at times, but you just start looking and watching. You're like, yeah, my roommate. I was frustrated that they didn't wash the dishes. But man, they also don't vacuum. And really, they watch TV too late, too. And when they have friends over, they're rude. And you just start, because they're in the dungeon of your mind at this point, right? And so you start, you start grabbing your snowballs. And you just start packing them away for the future, because you haven't dealt with it, right? And so you start making a pile for yourself of all this stuff. And at that point, you know, it gets just a lot of negative energy is created at that point. It talks about, you know, just you're really not happy with that person, because you've allowed yourself not to think the best. You know, it talks about in 1 Corinthians 13 that it believe, you know, love believes the best in people, you start believing the worst in people. You start just assigning all those things to them. It could be on a sports team or roommate or whatever. If you don't deal with it there, it usually gets to stage four with a confrontation. My wife and I's MO was in the first couple years of our marriage. I'd save up all these snowballs because I didn't deal with conflict well. And I'd usually throw out a matter. Uh, usually it was like 10.30 in the car. We'd be driving late at night. Both of us would be exhausted. And it would be a little thing that would set me off, and I'd start just pulling from stage three all my snowballs. It would have nothing to do with what I was originally frustrated about. And I'd want to get it there, but it never, meant, it never made it there, and it was never constructive. I'd just start going, you did this, and you did this, and you did this. And I wouldn't be yelling at her, because that's just not my personality, but I'd just be hurling all my little snowballs, you know, all, everything I had. Uh, and then, you know, it, it's usually worse than I, I imagined. I was like, I need to talk to her about this. I need to talk to her about this. And I'd bring it up, but because I had so many snowballs, it, it was never good. It just turned into something it, was, it shouldn't have been. And then usually, stage five, that, that whole blow-up happened. And then in stage five, you, you, you make an adjustment, which usually, in a lot of conflict situations, if it hasn't been handled well all the way along, kind of causes more separation. My roommate and I used to be cool. Now I got my stuff, and he's got his stuff, and we don't really talk as much. You know, In a marriage, it's, well... There was a, there was less, there's less trust now than there was before. Am I safe to talk to my husband about that? Because he kind of blew up the last time we talked about that, you know, or, or whatever it is. And so you got to figure out how to be again. And then you kind of start the cycle again if it's not dealt with in a healthy way. And so I don't know if that hits home for any of you, but uh, I, I've experienced that a lot in my life. And so uh, how do we not get there? Um, this is just a, a cool diagram that, that helps me understand conflict and ways of dealing with it. In any conflict, you've got uh, basically four options. And there's levels of all these, and, and the, the kind of flow isn't perfect between one to the other. But on a number one, anytime you have a conflict, you can have those lines represent either individuals or groups in conflict. 
the first way of dealing with it is that one group, the circle represents the power, who has the decision-making ability. Uh, and so that circles around one person in it. So it's like, you know, parent-child, uh, my son Cole is going to run across the street. Well, we're not going to talk about it. You know, we're not going to, like, negotiate. Hey, I want to run across. No, you're not. <laughs> so I'm going to grab him by the shirt, and I'm going to pull it back, and I'm going to make that decision for him that he's not going to run across the street. And so that's kind of that number one, you know, parent or a teacher and a, and a student, you know, doing something. You're going to stop doing it. Uh, number two is that there's those two parties in conflict, and they've either allowed an outside party or, or the outside party's just taken that power, you know, a judge and a, a jury kind of thing. You present your cases, both, pe both people. That outside person has all the decision-making power. They've said, you know, here's what the, uh, you know, the judge says, here's what's going to happen in this case, and, you know, they go forward in that situation. A number three of way of dealing with conflict is that two people or groups are having conflict, and they've kind of asked an outside person, or an outside person is there as an advisor, a mediator, somebody on the outside that says, you know what, you're going to solve your problem, but I'll help you solve your problem. And so really the decision still is between both parties, but, but a third person, or, or you can even see that as scripture. We're going to go to scripture together, but we're going to decide together after we've looked at scripture as, you know, the, the authority. Uh, and then, you know, number four would be that two people can get together or groups and go, man, we're going we're gonna to decide this together. And this is going to be our decision at the end of it, not my decision or your decision. Uh, the difference between number four and number one is number one is very much win and lose, my way. Number four is very much our way. And so uh, even though it's a subtle thing, uh, the world and most of the time, if you look at most decisions that are made to conflict, most of them happen uh, in a number one. And if you can think of an inverted triangle like this, if you drew a triangle on your paper, most of the things happen, happen up here at a number one. And much fewer things happen in number four because it seems harder. And it seems like, man, it's just, I've got my way. I really want my way. Or I'll just let you have your way. And there's not a whole lot of, you know, creating a way together that happens in life usually. So that's four kind of four ways of, of doing that. And we're going to talk about, you know, when we go to other stuff, we'll kind of come back to those. Um, Anytime in, in conflict, I looked at 1 Corinthians 13. This was something that I read. I think it was read at my marriage, you know, my wedding, and, and just growing up in church. And I was like, man, that's, that's nice. That's fluffy. That's soft. That's cool. Uh, as I was doing my master's, we, we would go through this text about love, about what, uh, what unconditional love really is. And it's not soft. It's, it's hard. Uh, Christ's uh, pure love for us and what he calls us and how to love people is very countercultural. It's very against how we feel, and it's, it's very, uh, very, very difficult. And so what this done, has done is just more of a resource for you because often in conflict, we need to check ourselves. Are we, Christ calls us to be loving to people, right? We often expect other people to be loving to us. But when we walk into a conflict situation or when there's tension in a relationship that we have, uh, a good self-check is to walk through 1 Corinthians 13 and to go, man, am I being patient? Am I being kind? Uh, am I not being boastful and puffed up? Am I looking for our way versus my way? Am I looking for all these things? And so uh, it kind of gives you all the different translations of it. If you flip two pages, this is kind of the good self-test. Call it the L scale. Uh, I just lost my microphone. Hold on real quick. Um, the L scale, it's a great thing. Uh, you know, we talk about here at the well often before you go into a conflict, you know, to really do the self-check and go, how am I before I'm walking into any situation where I need to talk about something hard with somebody? Um, and this is a great way to, to test where you're at. Man, am I being impatient or am I being patient? Am I 
gloating over what's going on or am I, am I keeping a detailed record of wrongs? And so if you look at those, they're kind of opposite. It plays opposites for you. You can fill in the blank on the other side of whatever the opposite of, is, of that is. And, and so, um, you know, are you ready to trust or are you not ready to trust? You know, are you looking for my way or our way? And so it just is a great self-check to walk in. You know, as scripture talks about having a speck in our own eyes, right? Ready to take out the log in our brother's eyes so easily, right? But not noticing the speck in our eye. Well, it doesn't, scripture doesn't talk about never going to a brother. It just says, recognize you have a speck in your eye. In any conflict, often we have the speck in our eye and we need to, or I'm sorry, the speck in our brother's eye and we have a log in our own. But the log often is how we are and, and are we being loving? Are we, are we doing, truly choosing the Jesus way of, of confronting people? And so I give that to you as a self-check. Okay, now... We'll get into some stuff that's some practical. Uh, and I get a um, so this one here is called the commitment to being constructed. This has been something that I use in a lot of different contexts as, a, as just a way for people to check themselves in any conflict situation. If you, if you notice the vertical line there, uh, the vertical line is the issues. Um, it's, you know, if, if, your roommate's leaving the dishes in the sink every night, you've, you've probably got an issue and you're probably frustrated about it and that's okay. And, uh, and if you look at the horizontal line, that's your commitment to the relationship. That's that idea of, you know, I actually care about this person. And uh, usually people are going to err in one of these two sides and it's based on personality, some of it. Uh, it's based on just, you know, how you've conflicted in the past. Um, but if you look at if you were to kind of place yourself in one of these quadrants. So if you're in, in this quadrant over here, uh, say the top left, that's a person that, man, the issues are going to be very, very important. They're not going to give on the issues at all. But you know what? At the same time, they're going to have a very low uh, commitment to the relationship. So they're going to bowl over that person. I'm going to get my way. Uh, our arguments are going to be I'm going to win, and you're going to f- figure it out. It's your problem. Uh, and they're not going to be, it's not going to be filled with grace while it's being done. Um, a person over, over here, down in this bottom right, that was me and is me on a bad day, is that I'm going to care so much about the relationship and not rocking the boat that I'll sweep things under the carpet. I'll let the issue slide. Man, there's an issue there. But I care so much about just keeping the peace that I'll never bring it up. Uh, and so the, what Scripture calls us to is speaking the truth in love. It's the combination of the two. It's caring about the issues and caring about the person equally. And so uh, asking yourself before you get into a conflict, can I be in the top right-hand quadrant where the issues are important, uh, if they are important issues? Sometimes God asks us to overlook stuff that's not important. True. But then there's times that there are important things we need to talk about so we don't get bitter. We don't become, you know, stuff it away in the dungeon of our minds. Uh, But if the issue is important, can I do it in a loving way? Can I be grace-filled as we talk about it? Uh, And then if you're down in that bottom left, or I'm sorry, yeah, bottom left-hand quadrant, scary place to be. That's the place of indifference where it's like, whatever. I don't care about you and I don't care about what's going on. Scary place to be. And that's a hard place to be in relationship or in a conflict with someone who's indifferent. Or if you are indifferent, you are a frustrating person to be in conflict with because you just don't care. And that's... uh, that's a scary spot, so you don't ever want to be there. Um, okay, now, you've probably all, uh, in, as we were talking about this, you're probably replaying things in your mind of, wow, past conversations, past relationships, um, all those kind of things I know I have a ton to, to pull from as well. One of the helpful tools for me, let me give you a story, um, 
that has to do with this, this idea of reconciling interests. Um, you have different kinds of conflicts. Some conflicts have a lot to do with, uh, with like hurts and injustices that have been done, and that's kind of a separate uh, thing to deal with. I'm going to give you something as a, like a, a practical tool today that's more of like, now we've got a decision to make or we're feeling tension and change about something. Uh, say it's in a, as a roommates or a couple or you know, a husband, wife, that sort of thing. Uh, and you're just like, man, we want to do it our way, but we, can, but we just know we have different opinions. We have, I think about it this way. Uh, they think about it this way. And it doesn't seem like those things work together well. So how do we navigate that knowing that uh, gosh, we want to hear each other. We want to understand each other because Scripture calls us to understand the other person, not to be understood. Uh, and so, how do we how do we navigate that? One of the examples from my marriage is uh, Aaron and I. For the first probably four years of our marriage, Christmas was just torture for us because I am like the budget guy, and I am like, man, when Christmas comes, we're not going to go into debt. God did not call us to go into debt for Christmas. Uh, and she's like, but you are like Scrooge. You're squeezing the life out of Christmas. And she's like, I want to get cool presents for people. And I want to like, ca I care about people. Do you not care about people, Dave? I'm like, I care about people, yes. But like, this doesn't make sense to me. And so we'd go round and round and round. At the end of Christmas, we'd always go a little over budget. So I wasn't happy. Uh, she would think that we got cheap gifts that weren't, didn't mean anything for anybody. And she's like, are you happy? Really? This was stupid. You know, and so we'd, uh, we'd go round and round. And we'd just be waiting for this to come every Christmas. Well, uh, as I was going through school, this came about. And I'm like, Aaron, can we just try this? Can we just sit down and, and try this when it comes to Christmas? So we went to Starbucks. We did this process that I'm going to share with you. And what we found was fascinating. Because when we got behind our positions, when we got behind uh, I don't want to spend money and go into debt. And, well, I want to get good gifts for people. Those seemed like they were mutually exclusive. But when we pulled back and looked at our interests, well, why don't I want to go into debt? Uh, why do you want to get meaningful gifts for people? We started listing out those reasons. And we started to see that if we problem solved our reasons together, that, man, we could come up with something awesome that made us both feel satisfied in that, in that process. And it was our way versus my way or Aaron's way. Uh, and for the last six years, we've done Christmas a whole different way. And every year we do this because our interests have changed, you know, obviously over time. And we're different people every year. Uh, but we start to see this is what we care about, not just our positions. And so how do we problem solve what we care about versus just what seems to be my way and your way? So that's, uh, that's something we said. So for us, it was, man, here's our budget, $500. Uh, you can do whatever you want, be as meaningful as you want to be, and I can trust you. Because I'd be like looking at checkbooks, I'd be checking our ledger every day, oh, you overspent that. You know, so it was like, it just be, it created a health. And I could go, no, I do care about people. I want us to get great gifts for people. I just have these other interests as well. And so it allowed me to feel like I wasn't just being scrooged too, which was cool. Um, so, so that's that. The, um, the main thrust with this, and I'm going to be careful looking at time-wise. Okay. Um, the main thrust with this is that uh, how do you identify, you know, the first part here is uh, main concerns. So, you know, first sentence is one major obstacle to identifying main concerns is the fear of disclosing inf information. In an adversarial mode, like a number one mode, you remember the ways of dealing with conflict where I win or you lose or you win or I lose, uh, we carefully guard our information, uh, giving, it out, uh, giving out only that which supports our side. In a collaborative mode that says, um, we're going to look for our way. I'm going to look to understand you. We believe that more information that we have, the better the, better the solution we will find. Um, 
And so really then the main concerns or reasons are the why we take whatever position that we take. Uh, so I figure, you know, I could read through this stuff and we could talk through it. It'd probably be better and more helpful for you to read through it on your own. And I want us to try to, to do one together. I'll kind of walk us through a conflict. And so I would love to hear a conflict from somebody. It doesn't have to be one that's actually going right now because that might be awkward. Uh, but, um, but one maybe you've had in the past or just something that, some, again, it's just a change. Something might cause tension. Throw something out. Buying a car, beautiful, let's do it. Okay, uh, give me uh, like your position on buying a car, like what would that be, you know, like? My position or my wife's position on buying a car? Are you guys happy to be, are you? Oh, perfect, okay, no. Even better if it's, but you probably had one before you bought it, right? A position on it, right? So give me, what was your position? I wanted a fun car. Okay, you wanted a fun car, perfect, okay. And what was your position? Beautiful. That is so perfect. Okay. And so you, it, it, it doesn't matter, you know, again, over time what that can be, right? And so it seemed probably at times like you were mutually exclusive. Like you couldn't have that and do that at the same time probably, which is the whole thing that causes tension and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I don't know if my little leash is going to let me, but I'd love to go to the whiteboard over there. Uh, actually, would you mind being a scribe? Anybody over there? Jody, would you mind being a scribe for us? Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Can you? Okay. All right. Let's do it this way. So, so on the top there, we've got our two positions, right? So we've got a position of a fun car. Yeah. Just right on one side, fun car. And then maybe on the other side of the whiteboard, uh, right? Fuel efficient, good for family, right? Is that or space for kids? Okay. Cool. Okay, now if you just stay there, uh, and, and what happens with most conflicts is they stay there. And you could go round and round with that, and both people would walk away feeling unsatisfied, and you probably end up with a car that did neither one of those, is what happens in most conflicts. And then you kind of like second guess it, and you're just frustrated about it for like the whole like seven years you own it. And, you know, and then every time you drive it, you're like hating the person, you know, the other person, because you're like, oh gosh, you know. And so, so that's what happens in most conflicts, right? So, uh, and this one is saying, you've got these positions, but what's behind them? Like, what are your reasons why you want those things? And so, um, you know, you're asking questions like, you know, it talks about those things of security, economic well-being, sense of belonging, recognition, faith, values, fairness, you know, all these things. It's the reasons why. So if you don't mind, okay, the reasons why you wanted a fun car. Just throw them out. Beautiful. You want to enjoy something you en would enjoy driving. And I have a long commute. Okay. So I wanted to have a, a car that I could enjoy driving on a long Yeah. Long commute. Wanted to enjoy, uh, have something vehicle-wise you want to enjoy while you're making your commute. Okay. Uh, perfect. Those are great reasons. Um, I wanted... <laughs> it's okay. Um. <laughs> Beautiful. So good. Yeah, so long-term planning, like space for the kids. 
Amen to that. So like, so that it would be easy on you because you're going to be the one doing it a lot, right? So flexibility, ease of getting kids in and out. Yeah, thinking through budget of money and just that. Right, cost of running it, cost of maintaining it, cost of gas, all those things. Mm-hmm. Safety features, yeah. Yeah. And you probably had, I would think, some sort of like, Budget-wise, here's what we can probably afford, so it has to fit within that that you both feel good about. Yeah, all those things are good. Now, looking at that list, if you pull away from the top two, so this is the next step. This will be step one for you guys. And some, you know, if you got good at this process, you can kind of on smaller issues, you do it on the fly. You don't have to write it down. But I encourage you, as you're doing it initially, say with a conflict, if it's someone that you're comfortable with, and say, hey, let's try this. I've given you like on the last two pages, if you kind of flip there. Uh, I've given you a step-by-step cheat sheet. So we would be right now, we would be on step, um, you'd be on step two, okay? So step two, and you, what you would do, and if you did this together, was you would write this down individually. Like you'd generate your interest lists alone, and here's why. Often in a relationship, there's a dominant personality and a not-so-dominant personality. And if you don't write down things alone, that person who's dominant will jump in first to share their list, right? And then as they're sharing your list, you're like, oh, it seems like my list isn't as good as theirs. Or, or oh, yeah, their reasons are good, and I guess my reasons don't matter that much. And it's like, oh, no. So that's why you write it alone. You kind of come with your list of interests. And so let's pretend that we generated this, you know, each person individually. And then you would create a joint list. And so we would do it separately than this. We would write, we would ask one person, one of theirs, one person, another one of theirs. And so for, the, for our time here, we'll just run with the list we've got. But it would go one person's, then the other person's, then the other person's, then the other person's. Because just uh, what that says is kind of in that same way of agape. It says our way versus my way and your way. And so right up here we, on the board, we've still got my way and your way. And so we create a joint list, right? And so we've got our joint list. You could just circle all of it right now to kind of say that's our joint things that we're dealing with. Um, and then if you go to number four, it says, as a group identify, are any of those interests mutually exclusive? Okay, so when you think of mutually exclusive, that means if we did one of those, we would not be able to do the other one. We might not see how it would work right now, but we just need to know, is it, is it impossible to do one and not do the other one? And so if you're looking at that list, does it seem like any of those are... Uh, not the, not the positions, but the interests. Are any of those mutually exclusive? Doesn't seem like it. That, you, that, that it would be impossible to do. And I really hope we don't make you, you know, seem like you bought a bad car now. So this is hopefully <laughs> not going to happen. So, um, but, but it doesn't seem like they're mutually exclusive. That you couldn't do one and not do the other one. So that's good. If you see ones that are, like, man, we can't do that one and that one, then you need to ask the question again. What are the reasons behind those? And see if you can pull reasons down even further and further. Just continue to ask the why question. Why that? Why that? And it could have to do with you know, feelings, this and that, the other. And so uh, then you ask the question, man, if, if we can make a choice, this is number five, if we can make a choice that would address all of those, not the positions, but all of those interests, would we both feel good about it? And if you're still feeling tension at that point, like, ah, gosh, I don't know there's probably more work to do on the interest piece. Because you should be at a point, at that point, where you, you know, it's, it's still you're kind of saying, well, yeah, I'm going to give up this idea of my way and say our way. But all your interests are up there at that point. So to say all of my interests are going to be met, right? You're like, yep, 
We're going to not make a decision that we don't feel all good about. Yep. Uh, and so you've got to, to wrestle that at that point. But if you can feel good about, and I'd ask you guys, would all your interests be up there? Or is there more that you're like, well, but and that, and that? Oh, no, no, I was just saying, I'm saying at this point, if you, if you feel like all your interests aren't up there, you're going to come up with solutions that probably are less than what you had hoped for. And so if there's any other whys, and for this one, you don't have to, I mean, we don't have to dig too deep, but, uh, but that's what you would want to do is make sure they were all up there. Okay, so then step number three is you would go back individually. And you'd each have to come up with like three or four solutions, options, and this could take a day or two. So say you were talking about buying a car, uh, you're doing internet research separately. You're going, you know, well, we could, try, we could get a car like this, or we could get a car like this, because it has this, this, and this. That kind of meets my criteria. That kind of meets your criteria. Because then you're working with a problem-solving solution for all of those interests. So it's no longer you're meeting your interests, you're meeting our interests, and then you're problem-solving together. And so you come back, uh, and it could be in the same day. You know, for Christmas, we did it all at one time. We, just, we had to, like, each come up with uh, not one solution, but multiple solutions that took into account all of those interests for, for both people. And so, uh, and, and so then you have your list of, so I guess for this one, I'd, why don't we take time, I want you to take two minutes, and for their, for their issue of a car, even though you don't know their situation, you can work with their interests, I want you to think of two uh, solutions that might work for their situation. I know that you don't know it, but you have enjoy for the long commute, you have those to work with, just come up with two ideas. Real quick. Uh, it's obviously hard because it's not your, your thing, but try it real quick. back there just because even if we can just grab one or two it's going to be good so somebody throw one out for a possible again and that's the goal with this you're not putting out you're not pulling out right now and sharing the solution you're you're throwing out a possible solution that you're going to then decide on together so what's a possible solution for them ferrari <laughs> ferrari seems to be a number one side of thing we're, we're working with our list now so Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great question, right? And so, and that's pulling out the more of the why, right? So, what's fun? Uh, one of the things I wanted was, was a stick shift. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, like, I mean, 
Yeah, because I haven't been able to drive a stick shift for a long time. I really like driving stick. Uh, so that was one thing that was big for me. And then just a car that I wasn't going to think I could get out and push faster than I could drive it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So had a little get up and a stick shift. And that was mostly what fun was. Yeah. Okay. So, but, but if, you, if you look at that, that's brilliant, right? Because that really adds to your list of the whys. You know, and, and the why is that it's fun to drive because it's a stick. You know, and, uh, and then you've got you know, the other interest there too. And so, so that helps with the decision-making process. Um, so again, throw something else out for maybe something you guys generated as a possible solution. Two used cars. Two used cars. And he gets his fun car. Yeah. Gets right. And you split the money you might have spent on the new one to do it that way. Brilliant. It's possible. Right? It's totally possible. What else? With the intention of we're going to drive for this many years, knowing that the when family comes, you'll do something different. Totally possible. Yeah. Sporty, yet still has all the safety. Right, and could do two kids, knowing that in the future, you know, however many years that's going to be, it's possible to change that up. Yeah. I think that's just the perfect recipe for a Mazda three. <laughs> perfect. Okay. There you go. Uh, and, that's, and here's the thing, is that what you guys are doing right now is if, if a couple can grab hold of that, that becomes energizing versus deflating, right? To, because you're generating options together. You're going, well, it could be this. Gosh, we've got this amount of money. It could be that. And you're throwing these ideas out, and you don't evaluate the ideas. So what we would do is we generate a list of all those things, you know, buying uh, two used cars, one that kind of meets those interests, one that meets those interests, buying a, ca a car for a season, knowing that we're going to do something else in the future, uh, but have it work for now. You know, uh, buying a certain type of sedan, you know, that would accommodate all of those different reasons. So you've got like four or five things to choose from. And then you start as a couple or as, you know, uh, a roommate situation or whatever, you're going, well, what's the best options? Because then you have six options to choose from, and you're like, hmm, I kind of like having multiple options that seem to meet our interests. What works the best? And so if you look at uh, number four, you're evaluating and choosing from the possible options. So you're not looking at two options anymore, or my way or your way. You're looking at, hey, we've met, these options meet our interests. And so you have to check that your options actually meet your interests. So the Ferrari, no offense, might not meet the interests that are there. Uh, and so you know, it might not be in the budget or you know, work for that. And so then you, kind of, you can kind of amend or, or get rid of maybe options that don't meet the interests. But you may have four options there that seem to meet all of the interests. And then you've got choices. Which one best does it? And you can kind of start to together decide on from your list that you've jointly created, what's the best options? And so at that point, if you can come up with something or you've agreed on it, say you like option three, that you're going to buy a car for the current time and then see and reevaluate in some years to come and go, I know that this is for a season, but this is the season that we're in right now. We're going to do it. If you're both like, yeah, that seems good, well, you, you craft an agreement. Because the idea with a, any relationship is that as agreements are made and kept, trust grows. Trust is something that's beautiful in any relationship, and that's what God you know, kind of calls us to in relationship, uh, that our, our relationships are grace-filled and filled with trust. And so as you create agreements together, you, you grow in trust as you keep them. It's not just making them, but it's actually keeping the agreements. And so... And then, you know, if it was more of a formalized setting, you might create a, a, you know, an agreement document, say, hey, we're going to follow this up in a, 
six months. We're going to see how it's going. We're going to pull out our interest lists, and we're going to see if our interests are still being met with what we've done. And if not, we either need to pull out more interests that maybe they weren't all on there, or we need to reevaluate what we're doing. But you've at least got a date to come back to. So say it is the roommates and the dishes. Hey, we'll talk again in two weeks. And we've got a time to come back to our agreement to just to see if it worked. We may need to amend it. We may need to make a whole different agreement. But that's OK. We've, we've said that we might need to generate more options, and we might need to do this and that. Um, you know, with a car, that's harder to kind of switch direction fully at that point. But you know, hopefully, you've made a good decision at that point. Um, so you've got this follow-up meeting and this process to do, to do this with. Um, but this, man, this could be as simple as stuff like, I want the window open, you want the window closed, or the door. I want the door open, you want the door closed. OK. That doesn't work. Why? Well, I want, uh, I want a breeze in the room. It's hot. It's stuffy. OK. Uh, that makes sense. Well, why do you want it uh, closed? Well, I don't want bugs in the room. We're in the mountains. We're in a cabin. There's mosquitoes. Great. Can we uh, open the door and close the screen? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, well you can't. If you, don't, if you never get to the whys, then you can't really even negotiate stuff beyond, I want it open, I want it closed. I'm going to win, you're going to lose. Uh, so it's this idea of seeking our way together. Um, so a lot to say. I gave you a lot of information there. Uh, you've got the steps to be able to try it. Here's what I'd encourage you. The next conflict. It's, it's it, Conflict again. It's not bad or good. It's what it is. It's going to happen. Uh, but if you, I'd encourage you to, to pull it out and try it. You don't have to do it formally, or you might. You might go with a roommate. Hey, can we try this? We've seemed to have some tension. You just pull it out. You follow step by step. You may fumble your way through it. Promise you it's going to go all right. And, uh, and you might come up with something that was better than what you're currently doing. Uh, if it's a marriage relationship, try it out. Hey, let, let's try this with X, our date nights. Because you know what? It seems like neither of us are really satisfied with what our date nights are looking like. Can we, can we just talk through it? You pull out your interest. What's your interest for a date night? Well, my interest is this for a date night. Here's my reasons. Let's come up with some ideas that might work for our date nights. Awesome. How invigorating is that? to do that over Starbucks you know, in a relationship or whatever. And so, uh, so just seeing it as something that can kind of flow. Does it have to be written down every time? No. I talked with a couple that I'm doing premarital with last week, and they're like, man, we've been using this all the time. We don't write it down, but we just ask each other why way more than we used to. We'd come up with these, these positions. I think this, you think this, and we'd fight. But now we go, well, why do you think that? Just that simple question just encourages you to try to understand other people. Where are you coming from? I want to know your reasons. We can negotiate your reasons. We can't negotiate positions. Because uh, then it's just, I lose, you win. You lose, I win. So, I'd love to open it to questions. Obviously, your experiences are different than mine. And we all deal with conflict differently. Do you have any questions on this? The, the pages before these kind of like step-by-step how-tos is kind of just some more on each step of the process that would be great for you to read through and, and kind of gain understanding there. Do you have more of those don't today, but if you gave me your email, I can email it to you. Can I ask what kind of car they got? Sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 nice. How did it, and is it going okay? I mean, you both pleased? Good. Awesome. That's great. That's great. Not every couple does that, so well done. It's good. Question, Dave. When you're dealing with someone who is in that quadrant of indifference, um, what's, how's the best way to handle that? Yeah. Uh, encouragement of scripture is that we can't change people. We can change ourselves. And so uh, choosing to be in the upper right-hand right quadrant 
you know, of being speaking the truth in love and uh, being constructive, even when someone's unconstructive, uh, over time can make all the difference. But man, you, it may be a long road to choose to be constructive when someone's not um, choosing small acts of love and kindness when uh, when someone's not. But but also being willing to bring and not just let the issues go with someone like that. You know, still being. I'd love to enter into this process with you. Just be like, hey man, I feel tension, and I know it seems cheesy, but I've seen it work. And just going, man, I know there's multiple ways we can deal with this frustration we're facing. And you don't have to pull out the chart, but just say, I'd love to do it together. Versus what it feels like right now is that we're we're doing it apart. Man, can can we can we work on this together? Whatever we're feeling, uh, and they may say yes, and they may say no. If they say no, then all you've got is your end of things. You've got praying for your enemies. You know, he's not your enemy probably, but Christ calls us to love and pray for those that that don't see things the way we see them. And so uh, that's my best encouragement, and just to encourage them along. So, other questions? Cool. Okay, well, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, and, and uh, if you have questions afterward, I'd love to answer them. So.